Yo, 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 what's good, everyone? It is a super rainy Monday in the City of Angels, and welcome to another brand new episode of Behind the Baller Podcast. This is what we call professional podcasting. I am your host, Ben Baller, a.k.a. The Wash Lord, a.k.a. Back Nine Ben. This show is brought to you by the Dust Brothers, Miles Davis, and Jordan Winter. Theme song by Illegal Cartel and original music for this show is made by the genius Lakey. I'm a little nervous. Um, I got some anxiety, but I'm ready to seize the day. So, Miles, my man, drop me a Lakey Lake beat and let's get into it. So the rain is real bad right now in LA. It's so bad that the kids' school is canceled today. And even my cousin Steve's kids' school is canceled. A couple of my other friends' schools are canceled. A lot of private schools. I don't think private school, a lot of private schools are canceled in the LA area. I don't think public schools are. It sucks. I don't know. I won't lie. It's a shit show outside. Um, there's flash flooding all over the place. The motherfucking iPhone messages where it sounds like the uh the fucking rapture is coming on your phone. It's crazy. But it's all flooded around my neighborhood. And, and, and uh, you know, I pray everyone is uh, okay. And, and um, I saw an accident the other day on the freeway. And it's, it's fucked up. And uh, speaking of rain, it's raining in Vegas right now. And uh, it's supposed to stop tomorrow. I pray that it does because the Pro-Am is Wednesday. And um, shit, I get there tomorrow. Anyways, the Grammys were last night. And I, I've watched bits and pieces over the last few years. I'm just not. I'm just so uninterested in, in music these days. There's obviously some good shit that comes out, but the Grammys were just fucking mid as fuck last night. I mean, I guess they say the highlight was Tracy Chapman with Luke Holmes, and, and it was low key the only thing that I cared about. Like, or I didn't care about it. Sorry, that was decent. Just don't think they bring the powerful performances I once remember in the '80s with fucking Whitney, with Michael, with fucking any rock band and all the other shit, right? It was like it peaked in the 80s through the late 2000s and then I think after the Kings of Leon shit, it was just, I don't know, that rain, it was just was it's whatever. The highlight of the show was the trash-ass performance by goofy-ass Travis Scott who during his set complained about being nominated for 10 times and hasn't won. And he tried to sound cool and like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and say that like on some like rebellious shit and try to low key throw a reverse at the Grammys, but just to come up short and leave home empty handed with nothing. Okay, all he left was that, that shitty ass outfit that he was wearing. Okay, now listen, the performance sucked 10 elephant dicks. The highlight is that he came home with a goose egg. That's it. Or he went home with a goose egg. I don't know. Of course, Taylor Swift won album of the year. I can't name two songs that she has in her entire catalog. But I don't hate Taylor Swift. I don't get what the hate is, whatever. She's fucking huge. Great. I don't care. But I did tell Travis Kelsey, I said, dog, when you ready to make that ring for her, bro, when you ready to propose, let me know. When you ready, I'm ready, dog. Okay. Um, the actual highlight of the evening of the Grammys was my dog, my bro, 
known a long time, Killer Mike, um, OG Dungeon Family. He won three Grammys, which is crazy because he's been in the business for over 25 years. And then after he wins his three Grammys, he gets escorted out of Crypto.com Arena in handcuffs by police for an alleged altercation with a security guard, which was a misdemeanor at most. It was just fucking bullshit. It was so sad. It was what like, it's just fucking disrespectful. You know, if I'm just trying to think of fucking, oh man, let me think. If Miley Cyrus got in a really bad fucking altercation, they're not arresting her. Okay, Mark Ronson got into a fucking, and Mark, what's up with your English accent, homie? Stop, bro. I've known you for fucking 30 years, doc. Anyways, if Travis Barker got in a fucking altercation, he's supposedly a bad boy, weighs 120 pounds. It, it, no, it's fucked up. Killer Mike, congrats if you're listening. I know you heard a couple of shows. Um, Jay-Z won the Dr. Dre Award and proceeded to go off on the Grammys on stage about Beyonce and such. And she has more Grammys than anybody and she hasn't won, what was it, album of the year or some other shit? I don't fucking know. Look, it got me thinking about the music business and why I left it. And this applies to a lot of things in entertainment or major success. And there's a lot of mental midgets out there who don't understand what it means to play the game. Okay? You can do it your way. That's fine. But at some point, you're going to have to play the fucking game. History shows that a high percentage rate of people who go against the man or the machine that controls certain or most of the elite industries, it don't go well for them, right? They, they don't just disappear. I'm just saying they just kind of fall off and do whatever. Now, again, if you've made a certain amount of wealth and don't want to be bothered, fuck it. I know a lot of you guys who are listening to this are way too young to know who Johnny Carson is. He was succeeded by Jay Leno and then went to Jimmy Fallon or, you know, whatever. When Johnny Carson was done with Hollywood, he was done. He walked away, said, fuck this. He gained like 30, 50, 60 pounds, decided to just chill and kick it and just stay on the beach and just eventually passed away and no one knew what the fuck he was doing. That's awesome. When I'm out, I'm out. I've, I've said it before, like, you know, but if you've made a certain amount of money, I understand that there's a high of being not just really the center of attention, but being relevant. But if let's just say, for instance, you've built a lifestyle that needs you to make 10 to $15 million just to maintain it, ah, oh man, you, you've maybe over exceeded your shit. You could live really, really fucking comfortable and ball the fuck out of control with a two to $5 million a year budget. And that could be paid off with interest off smart things. And to tell you the truth, it wouldn't even really be that much after you figured things out, maybe vacations or whatever. But I respect anyone who can do it. But those who know, they know you got to play the game at some point. It's not rated on a scale, you know, like with lying or something, right? Telling a fib. Where you lie about being somewhere at like 9.15 a.m. instead of actually being there at 9.18 a.m. 
you know, the people who call you on that type of shit are cornball, dumb motherfuckers anyway. It's not like that type of scale. There is a true difference of how much of your soul you would be willing to sell to get where you want to go and where you want to be, right? Or where your morals lie. That's what I'm talking about with the scale. It's, it's a different type of thing. It's not like where you lie to people. It's totally different. And I mean that, like I see Doja Cat is in it. You know, she's tried to fight it. I'm trying to think of people who I've seen change throughout your, Katy Perry and just certain people, you just see them, they get into certain things. It's like, eh. and, and I got to play the game, sponsors and shit and whatever else. And at the same time, I'm able to kind of do it my way as well. But, you know, it's to the point where you will have to lie about what you're doing and shit and things like that. It's a different type of thing. I, I can't really, I don't know if you guys understood what I was talking about. But there is a scale of how much you'd have to do at bare minimum to stay in that little fucking fraternity, that little group. And it's not a cult at all whatsoever. And it's not about wearing a fucking dress. It's just about a certain thing that you'd have to do. You know, anyways, in other news, Disney just lost their legal rights and I think possibly intellectual property to Mickey Mouse. Yes, to fucking Mickey Mouse. I thought this was a fucking joke. It is fucking real. And uh, shout out to my boy Matt Garcia on TikTok. He was breaking it down. The original paperwork, I believe, was that Mickey Mouse, the rights to Mickey Mouse and the legal, all that stuff, the, the trademarks, whatever, everything, were to expire after 56 years. And I think that Mickey Mouse was was uh, created sometime in the early 1930s. But Disney was able to get extended by the courts to 95 years. And that shit just expired. And they lost that now. So I'll give you an example. My boy Edison Chen, he owns a company called Clot. Loves Mickey Mouse. Cause built his entire shit inspired by Walt Disney and, and, and Mickey Mouse. And... um. That's where the cause companion and all the inspiration came for that. Edison made a Mickey Mouse collaboration bare brick that has three eyes on it. It's called a third eye Mickey. And it could never come out. And it was never able to come out for retail sale because Mickey put a cease and desist to it. They don't like Mickey Mouse being altered. There's a lot of shit that's going to... They're real fucking protective. And now, you know, they can't. So you're going to see some crazy ass shit. So if you know how crazy Disney has been about how you use Mickey Mouse for licensing and things, clothes, they never allowed it. You're going to see bootlegs without repercussion now. I'm interested. Like, fuck around. I might do a motherfucking Ben Ball or Mickey Mouse collab. I mean, I don't know how I'm going to fuck. I'm just saying. In fact, there's supposed to be a new horror movie already depicting Mickey Mouse as this crazy lunatic killer. And I can't wait because they can't do shit. And it's crazy. Not that I don't fuck with Mickey. I'm just saying. Like, I mean, Disney, it's just, it is what it is. Okay. <laughs> uh, guys, there is no episode this Thursday. There can't be. I will be in Vegas filming every single day. I arrive in the morning. I go straight to the players' luncheon. And then there's, there's some stuff I got to do for the live promotions for the three new players that came on to live. And then I got to shoot some content with some of the players. 
And then Tuesday night, there's a player's dinner. So I got that. And then I can't record on Wednesday because the Pro-Am is all morning, Wednesday, all throughout the day. And then Wednesday night, we got the player's dinner before we kick off the Live Tour event, which is Thursday morning. Thursday morning, I have a call time at 6.30 to film some shit at Live, and I'll be there all day. So I wouldn't be able to film any of those times. Thursday night, I might be free, but I'm coming back home Friday. You know, so I got the player's dinner. I have four different people I'm shooting content with, and I just can't do it. So it's all good, you know, whatever. We got cold as ice coming. Got, don't worry about it. I got in Jimmy's ass. He understands, and we're getting it, and it's all good. Now, a few days ago, NBA Youngboy posted a pic of him passed out on the floor with a bottle of Xanax and like a hundred pills leaking out of the bottle, a prescription bottle, right? And it raised a lot of concern. You know, people are worried about him, right? And if you see Cantrell, he's been acting fucking crazy. Dude is a lot bigger and pop, more popular than you probably think. And he was way more popular than I even thought, right? But I made a comment and people were like, you think he's not going to look at this? He's like, you suing this for club? Blah, blah. No, shut your bitch ass up because somebody's going to read it. And if I don't save NBA Youngboy's life, I'm going to save someone else's fucking life. Because I've said it before, here's the thing about Xanax. I take it in a very moderate, controlled amount for airplane rides, for when I suffer really, really bad anxiety, and I'll go a little time without it, and I know how much is bad. We're talking about a quarter bar on an airplane flight, a quarter bar during really, really bad anxiety, and never for any recreational purpose, unless I'm about to speak in front of 300 to 2,000 people. Got dumb fucks in there. That's not bullshit. You ain't gonna get no seizure from a withdrawal. Just because lots of people have died from HIV doesn't mean everyone fucking dies from HIV. Right? I know from experience, it is very, very common that if you stop cold turkey using Xanax, you will fucking suffer from seizures and have all kinds of crazy ass shit, have fucking um, Alzheimer's, you fucking have just freak the fuck out. It is an evil, ugly fucking drug. Don't tell me about mental toughness, okay? You'd have to wean off of it. I remember I had this conversation with Jordan Belfort, The Wolf of Wall Street. If you saw that movie, you know how fucking much, how many drugs this guy's doing. You dumb fucks have no idea. That's why they're called drugs. And that's why they're drugs. If they didn't work, especially benzos, then coming off them wouldn't be such a fucking problem. We wouldn't have this overdose epidemic. Like I said, it is an evil drug. You need professional help and a rehab to take like Suboxone, whatever it's called, to come off of it. If you've been taking them for over a year, and I'm talking about like a bar a day or whatever, something crazy like that. This motherfucker's taking two bars. Michael Jackson was taking 32 fucking bars of Xanax a day on top of taking propofol. If you've ever gotten a colonoscopy or had surgery and took a propofol, you know that shit is no joke. To get into that, that's just crazy. And it's really popular in Korea. People are getting addicted to taking propofol. But the longer you take them, just know from doctors who I've spoke to, either 
if you're not monitoring the use of them and you're not going to go see rehab, then you might as well just take them forever. Because at a certain point, you could fuck around and die. That is no cap. Shit is fucking really, really, really bad. So it's like these people in these comments, they lack knowledge, lack education. Their news is coming from non-credible journalists and they don't have common sense. And you have these sissy-ass punk pussy content creators or let's just call them part-time social media fucking, I guess, creators, right? I don't know. Because they probably work a regular job. And I'm not knocking people who work a daily job at all whatsoever. I respect that. Everyone has to know their role and their position in life. Just because you can make $680 doing something, don't mean that that could be a full-time job. And don't quit your day job because you did that. And then when that goes, what do you do? You got to really assess your life situation. What do you have to fall back on? Now, mind you, remember, I said I'm not a big advocate for school, meaning college universities. But if you're going to be in a specialty, you know, area where you're going to teach, you're going to be a lawyer, a doctor, something like that. Okay, cool. Yeah. For me, no. And I went to film school. Made one movie. Cake. Now we're getting off subject, but I'm saying if I were to fall the fuck off, all the skills that I've developed over these last 50 years, but really uh, 35 or so, I know I'm valuable to someone, not just someone, but a lot of people. So at worst, I got a college degree. Great. Is it going to work? No, I'm just saying have something to fall back on. If you're working at Target or working as a paralegal or whatever the fuck you're doing and you make some money because you're making funny content videos and that shit dies out, then what do you do? Okay, you, did you save the money? Start a business? Start something? Everything's kind of getting fucked up. Just be smart. It ain't for you. At a certain point, people are making fun of fucking UPS, but the motherfuckers' drivers are making six figures and now they're laying people off. So that's even like, it, it, there's... I don't know. Back to the subject at hand. These content creators, for these guys to admit that they're talking about someone for clout, so their videos, and that's how TikTok works. Let's say someone really popular, let's say Taylor Swift got caught up in a cheating scandal. Now you got all these people saying, Taylor Swift is, you know, Cheat on our boyfriend with fucking Carlos Mencia. I'm just making whatever comes to the top of my head. And blah, blah, and whatever. They're doing that because they know that that's trending and the algorithms will hit and it'll just start going off and all the Swifties will fucking watch those videos. And then they're like admitting that they're doing it for clout. That's corny as fuck. And there's this girl, I forgot her name. She made a $120 tote bag that looks like a Trader Joe's bag or some shit. And it's unspecial, but she's saying it's selling it for 120 bucks and it's selling out and who knows. And, you know, she might have bought all of them to make it look like it sold out. I don't know. But I replied, yo, who cares? Just admit that you're doing this because you want some fucking clout. He goes, yeah, of course I do. What's wrong with that? He goes, huh. Shit. And it's like some goofy ass gay dude who is super sensitive and whatever. And he replies to me, he's like, 
I got 1.2 million views off of this. Now what? And I was like, okay, whatever. I don't use TikTok like that. There's times where I've gone a year, two years without using it. I didn't use it for a very long time. I don't go on there that much. And he's like, a second comment. I'd rather do that than sell snake oil jewelry. Obviously, he doesn't know who I am. And that's fine. I didn't reply with nothing. But I could have easily said, what? You dumb fuck. What I sell in a week? In one week, what I sell in jewelry, you don't make in a fucking year and you haven't made in a year. And I wouldn't do that as a flex. It would be a response to disrespect with a slap to his face. I'd slap the fucking off-the-rack CVS glasses off his face with the same disrespect he showed over some stupid-ass shit because he's sensitive and he actually admitted to being a fucking goofball. Fuck out of here, man. I don't need that shit. Let me cool the fuck off. <laughs> Let's take a real quick break. We got a commercial and uh, I'll be right back. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I'm really proud of the relationships I've built in my life. Ones with family, with friends, with business partners, with sponsors, and so many more. All relationships take care and nurturing. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all of your relationships, whether with friends, work, or your significant other, or anyone. But what about the relationship with yourself? Are you doing the work to nurture your own mind? Become the best version of yourself? Become the best version of yourself with BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash baller today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash baller. What's up, guys? A uh, slight moment of silence for uh, Apollo Creed, a.k.a. Axon Jackson, a.k.a. Chubbs Peterson. Rest in peace to Carl Weathers. That shit's so sad, man. I don't know how he passed away relatively young. I was actually so fucked up about it. I don't know if it was the bad weather, the rain this weekend and stuff. And I watched uh, Rocky 2, Rocky 3, and Rocky 4. Might watch Happy Gilmore tonight. I don't know. I was watching all the uh, the tributes from Adam Sandler to the Sylvester Stallone one. Fucked me up pretty bad. Creed's one of my favorite movies that came out in the last 10 years. And I came across his fan page, and he made his his last video a few months ago, maybe even long, maybe it was recent, like in the last thirty days or so. He made a video about being um, sorry. He's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to make this event in Boston or something um, because I'm directing a movie. So I hope you're all right." And he didn't look too good. And um, such a nice guy, you know. I I got to meet him last year 
at uh, my friend Emilio Rivera from the Mayans, um, the actor. He has a charity event every year. I think it's coming up again too. And um, I got to play golf with him last year. We made a great video, just straight off the rip. No rehearsing, no nothing. I didn't tell him I was going to ask him. It was all fucking just freestyle. And he was such a nice guy, man. Just smoking a cigar, just chilling. It looked really good, actually. He looked really, really good. So I wonder if something happened health-wise. But my condolences to his family. And um, man, if you... When I used to be big on physique before all this crazy shit with fucking... You know, I don't know if you guys know this, but I was really serious about weightlifting, you know, in high school and in college because I was playing football. I used to work at the Mecca. That's Gold's Gym in Venice. I was in all Schwarzenegger's, you know, all that type of shit and everything. And I never fuck with the dudes who were getting too crazy, like Lee Haney and my boy Phil Heath won Mr. Olympia, what, eight times or so, and these other guys. But, um, you know, Carl Weathers had the fucking body of body. That motherfucker shit was, he was fucking chiseled. But rest in peace, Carl. We're at episode nine with Raising Canaan on season three. And shit is getting spicy as fuck. I start getting anxiety. Okay. Kanan is out of control. And it's fucking frustrating the fuck out of me. It's just like nothing worse than seeing somebody go down the wrong path. And you know, as a parent, as an older person, and Ronnie is fucking everything up. People are saying it's crazy. All the whole conspiracy that's going on with Omar Epps and all the shit. It's just all getting crazy, man. And shit's falling apart. And it's 50 so fucking good at getting you riled up. And the season finale is, you know what? I bet you this motherfucker, I swear to God, if 50 don't drop the episode this Friday, I'm going to be so fucking pissed off because it's going to say the Super Bowl or whatever. Hope it's not delayed till next week. I got to check. But it's getting spicy. Now, um, I saw a trailer for this Wendy Williams docuseries. And um, sure, a lot of you guys know Wendy Williams as, you know, a really big talk show host. And she has her daily tea. She gossips and she talks her shit. I know her from Hot 97. Or was it WBLS? I forgot. And it was one of the big competing hip-hop stations in New York. I forgot off the top of my head. But in the 90s, this woman was the queen of talking shit. And she talked reckless she was loose as fuck with the verbs. She did not give a fuck. She would tell people, all right, well, fuck you, you know? Shit, you, you know, you want to come fuck with me? I'm going to press charges. I'm calling the police. And this was different. This is when Giuliani was running New York City and a U gas would get in, thrown in jail for a fucking stealing a pack of gum. So in that, you know, um, she'd been talking shit for decades now. And the divorce with her husband. I remember her husband used to buy jewelry off a few people I know. I think Greg Unis or some stuff. And he was a scumbag and all this other shit, whatever. And I mean, it is what it is. I seen her at that that um biopic that they did about her and stuff. And she fucked Method Man, all this crazy shit. I don't fucking know, whatever. I never thought she was anything attractive. By the way, if you don't know, my uh mentor in the podcast came, Michael Rapport. He was actually um, he filled in for as a host for her many times and uh, did a great job. But she talks about how she's gone crazy. She went to some really bad mental scare. I forgot what exactly it was, but she had a stroke on stage. If you guys remember that meme where she's like wearing the Statue of Liberty thing and just passed out on stage live 
during a fucking filming of her show. And she talks about how she's completely broke. Like she's flat out broke. And mind you, this woman wasn't making a million a year. This woman was making millions a year, continuously. And I'm sure she lived a very lavish life. Sure, she had a crazy penthouse in New York or a house somewhere really nice in New York. She was killing it. And I don't know if it was legal shit. I don't know if it was divorce. I don't know what it was. Just scary. So I'm interested in watching that shit. And um, yeah, that, wow. I ended up trying to finish up the Griselda series. And I like Sofia Bugar. That shit is trash. It's cap. It is nothing like the documentaries I've watched on Griselda Blanco. And I just can't watch any more of it. So you guys want to? Cool. But that shit is fiction. That shit is not told in, in no authentic way. So the only thing that I'm looking forward to watching this year, and I think this comes out this weekend, is that new Bob Marley movie. I can't wait to watch that. And I've told you guys already, he's one of my favorite artists of all time. So I cannot wait to watch that. I want to watch this new Michael Jackson biopic. I've watched every fucking, that Jackson's movie, the old school Jackson 5 movie, my boy Jason Weaver playing Jackson Weaver as a kid. That movie was fucking amazing. I love to see, I hope they bring in some new shit that we ain't really seen. They do it better. I don't know. But the only movie that I am super fucking excited to see and take my kids to is the new Planet of the Apes. Cannot wait for that shit to drop. Ryder and London are fucking obsessed with that shit. I cannot wait to watch that shit. I think there's something else I'm forgetting. I don't know. Um, ain't been really watching too much YouTube golf. I chilled out on watching Grant and, and Garrett and uh, good, good stuff. And nothing, no beef or nothing. I just, it just, uh, I, I don't know. My, my attention span has just gotten worse and worse. Uh, I think because the live shit's coming up. But my episode of Home Course with PGA memes, my boy Travis Miller, is out now. Told you guys it was coming out that day, whatever, and it ended up coming out like mid late afternoon, early evening. It is out now. And I think it's a really good episode. I have never shared the inside of where I live since maybe showing pictures in Nike Talk 20 plus years ago. But I'm talking about as a married man, as a successful man. I have never shared the inside of where I and my children rest their heads. Never done that before. Now, of course, I was like, look, you can't shoot Kaya's room, you can't shoot Ryder's room, you can't shoot the kid's playroom, can't shoot the master bedroom. And by the way, did you know that master bedroom now is considered racist? You have to call it primary bedroom. And it's because back to slavery. And Like, man. Anyways, um, I wish there was more golf footage. And I understand why I asked Travis, yo, why the fuck did you cut so much golf footage out? And he's like, look, a majority of my fans are golfers. So, you know, they see golf all the time. I have pros on my show. But your story was so fucking interesting with Dr. Dre and Tupac and these things that it was just more interesting showing that. Not to say anything. And the, the thing that, you know, it was 33 minutes and if they showed more golf, it would have been maybe 45. And I guess that was too long for him. And I thought, no, man, I think it would be great. But it's unfortunate because I played really well on those nine holes. And um, I thought the golf footage was good. Whatever. I might ask him for it so I can see some fucking shit, whatever. But editing is really good. Speaking of video, you know that this cold as ice shit is about to get fucking crazy. And we're going to do shit off-site. 
We're going to shoot golf. We're going to shoot everything and obviously focus on some Asians, focus on, you know, jewelers and stuff. And we're going to do a new list and all this other stuff. But on Saturday, I was blessed again to play the most beautiful golf course in LA. That is Trump National Golf Club in Rancho's Palos Verdes. This time it was about 15 degrees colder, probably almost 20 degrees colder. Sun was out for like six or seven holes. Went out there with my cousin and again, Keith, the pro there. It was so fucking pure still. And I had some of the best ball striking I've ever had. Cold weather made the ball go not as, as long. And, and I wasn't really focused on the score. I definitely shot in the 90s. Um, putting was good. Iron striking was, was good. And um, it was just amazing. Thank you, Lily. Thank you, Keith. It was dope. I cannot wait for the WLI. And by the way, we still have some whole sponsors available. We have, I wish Popeye was here right now. I think we have maybe three whole sponsor spots available and they're going to go. I think there's maybe six spots for personal things available. You know, and remember, it costs $350 for a twilight round, like after one o'clock. So it means you're not going to finish your round. All right. It's like 600 on any given day, on a regular day. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 1000 to 1200 for a tea time. So for the price of the Wash Lord Invitational, you are getting a fucking steal. Act fast. This shit is going to be the best tournament that I have done to date. All right? And shout out to my dog, Popeye. And speaking of Popeye, I'm going to be hosting very lightly i'm just gonna be there and kind of be around and host meaning you know, i'm not like a paid host or anything i'm just doing this out of love because i have a dave and buster sponsorship but i'm gonna be hosting a super bowl party at dave and busters in hollywood this coming sunday at the hollywood and highland center and the game will be shown not only all through dave and busters but this is specifically for the courtyard now if you've been to the hollywood highland center it's got a massive courtyard. It's beautiful. There's stores all around. They have a massive, massive jumbotron, and that's where it's going to happen this Sunday, February 11th. Okay, Kansas City Chiefs versus San Francisco 49ers. Tickets are only fifty-eight dollars. Tailgate party starts at one p.m. Kickoffs at three p.m. Reserve seating, appetizers, full bar, raffles. It's going to be crazy again. Hollywood Highlands. Slow down, Ben. 6801 Hollywood Boulevard, Los Angeles, California. Dave and Buster's. It's going to be lit. I will be there. Check my Instagram stories for tickets and more information. It is going to be lit. Bring your kids, but get tickets now. I know it's not a ton of space, but I'm just letting you guys know where I'm going to be. All right. All right. As far as the Super Bowl goes, And after Taylor Swift just won Artist of the Year, right? And Album of the Year, whatever. I don't know if the script, the alleged script, or the NFL is going to let Taylor Swift, who is flying all the way from, I think, Australia, Tokyo, or some shit from the other side of the world, just to watch it. She's flying in just to watch it to support her boyfriend. Okay? The current spread is at um, 1.5 in favor of the Niners. I'm definitely going to bound the game. And obviously, I think the Chiefs are going to win. And 
they're going to win by more than a field goal, I would assume. I'm going to be on the game, like I said. Uh, thank God my ass is getting out of Vegas before Super Bowl weekend. Kind of sad I'm missing waste management a little bit too and the good, good shit, but it is what it is. Christian McCaffrey has complained publicly about not being able to afford a suite for his fiance and his mother to watch the game at. And uh, the suites are apparently a couple million dollars. Um, I have zero sympathy for Christian McCaffrey, bro. You know, you make a shit ton of money, 25, 30 million a year. But at the same time, that is a fucking shit ton of money, you know? And Taylor Swift is different, though. She makes fucking $150, $200 million a year. You know, she's going to have a suite. All these big CEOs have suites, and these big ballers are going to have this shit in corporations, whatever. This is the first Super Bowl in Las Vegas, guys. Do you understand? They don't give a fuck. They are going to make their money. The economy's fucked up, but they are going to go ham. It, the, a 350-square-foot room at the Bellagio is 1500 a night right now. And I don't know if you can get hotel rooms right now. It's fucking sold out. All right, 50-yard line within like four rows or five rows are upwards of a million plus for one fucking ticket. Like I said, nosebleeds are at eight Gs. I've seen a couple for 5,500, but I'm talking about you really are just there for the atmosphere and you are going to need binoculars, okay? You know there's a nightclub at Allegiant Stadium, Encore Beach Club, and it's fucking lit. There is, by the way, this is the nicest stadium in fucking all of NFL, it's really close tie between SoFi and this place, but they have a nightclub, Encore Beach Club, at the end zone, and it's lit. It is a full-blown bottle service, chicks in bikinis, all that shit, everything. Look, booths right there at the end zone, those like three or four booths right there, they start at $700,000. Motherfuckers have lost their minds in this economy, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, shit now i know if i wanted to finesse it if i didn't have the kids this weekend i ain't gonna lie if i didn't have the kids this weekend i'd stay mostly for live you know but i like watching at home but my kids you know they'll be on a computer chilling here that fuck that I'm going to damn busters we have a great time they're gonna play we have security we have people watching them you know they're gonna get to play we're gonna get kick it fucking food's gonna be off the fucking hook Dave and Buster's fucking food is so the fucking, oh my God, that chocolate cake and those churros and they have steaks. They got everything. It's like I get babysitting. I have security watching them. They get to play games. They get to win shit. And again, I know I have a difference, but I'm saying it's going to be lit. Good news about the NFL, about the, the Super Bowl. I made a ring for M&M's. Yes, the chocolate company, M&M's, the candy made a championship M&M ring, and my collab ring will be making a Super Bowl commercial debut. I've never had any of my jewelry in a Super Bowl commercial before. It'll be the first time that my work is in a Super Bowl commercial, and I'm excited to see it. If you go to the M&M page now, there's like a little, little, like little thing. I don't know if you watch my stories, but it's fucking dope. It's a big accomplishment, okay? Now... <laughs> The PGA is definitely feeling some sort of way this weekend, and the PGA fanboys are just, look, look, they had to end Pebble Beach early, all right? Low-key, I know they're salty as fuck. It's just funny how the world works. 
54 holes, huh? 54 holes. Guys, live is the future. That team sport shit, people don't get it. It's serious. You watch the actual footage and coverage of how they do it. The tracks, the track man, the tra saw tracer shit is way more accurate. The way they do everything, the way they replay shots, it is actually done a lot better than the PGA does it. People are, don't like the music, fuck it, too bad. Hearing John Rahm say fuck and do certain things, it's just a lot more chill, but the team shit is pretty dope. And I was packing my suitcase last night, getting ready for Vegas while I was watching the local news and they played highlights from the fucking first live event, the Mayakoba. And I was like, am I watching the wrong channel? Like, it was a fucking great fucking event. Yeah, 54 holes, I don't give a fuck. That playoff ending, I thought it was going to be a three-way tie. It was going to be a, a battle of Spanish-speaking motherfuckers. Joaquin Neiman, Sergio Garcia, and John Rahm. And John Rahm fucking went into hazard on the 17. I was like, God damn. Still played strong. Still got a podium finish. Playoff ending was nuts. That shit went to four playoff holes. It was getting dark outside. Finally, Joaquin Neiman won. He is a fucking beast. He won the Australian Open. He is killing it. Congrats, though, to Legion 13, John Rahm's new live golf team. It was their first event, and this was their debut. And it's crazy. They followed 24 people on their Instagram and I think maybe even fucking less on Twitter. And I don't know if John told them to go follow me, but they follow me. I'm just fucking hyped. Like I'm so hyped to get with all the live fam out there. And it's raining right now. It's supposed to rain just a little bit tomorrow. Meanwhile, the weather this weekend in Pebble Beach was not bad until yesterday. It got really shitty. They had to cancel it. And this is a fucking featured event, meaning this is one of the top five events for the PGA Tour at Pebble Beaches. So they had to cancel their AT&T Pro-Am event, and they announced that Wyndham Clark was the winner after 54 holes. And if you look at the comments under the PGA Tour post, they are fucking awesome. All right. Now, I will say this. Wyndham Clark shot a motherfucking 60 he broke the course record, which was 62. Jason Day almost fucking matched the record. Shot a 60, a motherfucker, in those conditions. He's a stick. But Joaquin Neiman shot a 50 fucking nine at Mayakoba. Now, the only fun part of watching the AT&T Pro-Am was watching Tom Brady. Like his interactions with Josh Allen and asking for more strokes and everything else. Like, And Tom's a stick. Tom's single handicap, 100%. And it was funny. They posted, you know, him topping the ball at a tee shot and fucking Mark Wahlberg's laughing or whatever. And uh, he's good friends with Mark Wahlberg. But it's funny. I actually like Tom now. I don't give a fuck. He's funny. That tee shot where he topped the ball. I don't know what hole it was. But he topped the ball. And I've done it for sure in a pro-am or in a, in a tournament that mattered. No, but I mean, that's my biggest fucking fear. The shit went 10 feet. He was definitely very mad. Because he takes golf pretty serious. He's he's a good golfer. But um, back to the PGA and its uh, fans or, or even golf fanboys, it's just funny to me. Because I've never, ever in my entire life, and this isn't anything I've been a part of, 
music, movies, fucking K-pop shit. No, it's not as bad K-pop shit. But that, that's not even, they're not even, those people aren't even fucking human. Sneaker game, jewelry game, the car community. I have never seen any group of people more salty with higher sodium levels than the golf community. It is wild. It's mostly a bunch of pussy-ass, bitch-ass, goofy-ass frat boys. But there's still a lot of real ones for sure. And I've met some amazing people in the game, right? There's obviously, you know, my access is a little different and that's fine. But you guys have no idea. I'm so fucking pumped. You know, I'm so pumped for the future events. I'm pumped to make an announcement, hopefully soon. But the golf community, the hate is just crazy, man. People just got to chill. People don't fucking realize. I don't give a fuck how bad you think someone's swing is. Every single person that's played with me, subscribers, regular people, never ever could they say, oh, no, yeah, Ben knocked in a, a putt, you know. I'll knock them down every round, no matter what. Having a shitty round, I'm still going to knock in a 10-footer, 15-footer, every round. Right? And that's why some of these casual rounds where you're getting gimmies, I got to stop that shit. Because I missed a two-foot for birdie in the Farmer's Pro-Am. But newsflash. And this is in general with everything in life that I do. It is not luck. Okay? Can't say that. It's not luck anymore. Because I'm playing, you know, I'm barely under two years, right? When we get to fucking May. It's not luck anymore. It's the thousands and thousands and thousands of hours that I've put into grinding my life. After 35 years of working on my skill set, it is not luck. No matter how much you haters think it is, I'll say this, my background did help me. No, there was no money. We were middle class at best. And there was up and downs through that. My parents' divorce, it fueled me for sure. Me not having what I saw people have, going to school with rich kids, it drove me crazy. And, and it motivated me. And that's probably one of the only things I do wish my, that I thank my dad for. That he put me in a school with all these people and we lived in a fucking, you know, we were, we were somewhat poor, especially compared to everyone else, but we didn't live. We weren't destitute. I got to eat. I had clothes. But like, I saw what I wanted. And I was like, yo, I'm about to scheme. I'm about to get my way to the top and figure this out. And I'm like, all right, well then here, this is the time to live straight. And fortunately for me, Anything that was fucking questionable, whatever, it's nothing that could be pulled up. It's nothing that would, be, would matter for where I'm at today. I don't want anything. There's no car that I'm like dying to have. All I want is peace. And all I want is my kids to be happy. Now that's it. Now. I want to do a quick comparison. The way I've been able to succeed at that is I've always had this underdog mentality. And people think that the underdog mentality is parallel to victim mentality. 
It is absolutely fucking not. When you have this victim mentality, you're always like, what about me? What about me? Well, I didn't get this and I didn't get that. You didn't fucking deserve it. The underdog mentality is the motherfuckers that have been putting in the work, putting in the time, and they're out there beating motherfuckers and they're out there undefeated, but they're not getting the shine because they don't have the marketing or the bigger name or whatever the fuck it is. And they go out there and steal the show. They rain on the parade. That's what I'm talking about. I go out there with the underdog mentality that, yeah, these people are bigger, they're richer, might be stronger. I'm going to beat them. Victim mentality is, let's tell the referee. Let's cheat. Let's make it even. Let's put a handicap on something. Let me call the police. No. So, I'm ending on that bit. Uh, a little weird situation. 21 Savage went on Aiden uh, Ross's live stream. And he got caught scamming Aiden in a card game. And apparently him or his team or somebody scratched and marked these cards so he could win. And it was for a couple hundred thousand dollars. That's some scumbag shit, man. That's goofy. And I don't know 21 Savage. I did make him a ring from uh, Amber Rose back, but I'll be real. Every single thing that I've seen from 21... From young to new to old, I have he's never sat right with me. He's only sat wrong with me. And I, I just don't know. And I know there's people out there, oh, I'll fuck with him here and there, but I don't know what it is. So I can't really make judgment at I'm just saying it's sat wrong. And I'm good at putting that shit away. Like, you know, prove me. And he ain't got to prove nothing. But what I'm saying is, do I want to have a conversation with a dude? Not at all whatsoever have zero care to ever have him on the show. I have no desire to meet the dude or nothing. But I don't, I don't know what the I, dog can't rap. I don't know, man. Everything just sound, that was like the last thing, like, wow, man. So he's catching some heat from that. Real quick, Tony Snell was trending for a few days, playing the NBA for nine years or so, whatever. And everyone was rooting for him and, telling the NBA to sign him for a 10-year, you know, for his 10th year so he can get his NBA lifetime benefits, meaning everyone in his ha- family would have health benefits for the rest of their lives. And I was like, I get that. Shit, you know? I mean, I, just, I know Tony. I don't know him personally. I'm sorry. I know who he is. Okay, cool. It's great. But then I seen his wife on her IG. It was up there yesterday posting a video for, on the private jet that she said was their private jet with eight Birkin bags and one of them was an exotic Birkin bag. One would have already been a lot. But you're talking about healthcare where motherfuckers really ain't got it like that and you're in a PJ? And Tony, you made 50 M's over your career. Okay, agents, everything else, whatever. You took home 20 plus with some light investments You should be sitting on 15. I'm not trying to count pockets, but I'm saying you got two kids with autism. I get it. But you got a shit ton of money and you better off than 99% of the world. So figure it out, my G. Okay. All right. I want to end the show on this note. And I always want to end every show now with a little food for thought. 
the kids today are not built the way we were. Or at least up to, you know, the people who were born before 1988. Anyone after that, uh, I don't know, man. I can only speak on the people I really interact with and stuff like that. And when I talk about how they are raised and stuff. And, you know, I know technology's changed a lot, but I'm talking about where they are mentally and mental toughness. I'm sure there's a, you know, a couple rare ones here and there. But what society believes what is right and wrong now, they were not built like we were. Okay? So with that in mind, as a parent, you really have to be even keel. You really got to just try to be as even as possible. And what I mean is, the discipline that you give your kids, the tough love that you show your children, if that is what you do, it should not be greater than the love that you show your kids. Okay? The discipline that you have in your home should not be greater than the love that you have in your home. Now, everyone rewind that part. Again, listen to it five times. The kids today, they need discipline. But they also need a lot of love and a lot of direction and attention, okay? And with that, I will see you guys next Monday with Jimmy Boy. I love y'all. Peace. Peace.